The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Hi, good morning, everybody. Today's scripture reading will be out of Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 12, on page 871 on your pew Bibles. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why? Even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. This is the word of God. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So you'll remember we are just continuing our study through Luke's gospel. Uh, chapters one, kind of big, one to eight, chapters one to eight, big picture, emphasizing who Jesus is. Who is this man? And it's just shocking, amazing to see it again. He's the eternal son of God, took on flesh, promised king, fulfillment of all God's promises, came to save his people. Chapters one to eight, basically. Chapters nine to 19, basically, focus in on what does it mean to follow this man? What does it mean to know him? What does it mean to be faithful to him? What does it mean to respond to him? And that's the greater section where we find ourselves today. As we keep working through chapter 12, we're gonna see that we're entering a section where Jesus wants to talk about fear and anxiety. And I know that for most of you, that's totally irrelevant to your lives, right? I mean, I watch you all, you, you, you skate through life. You're courageous, nothing worries you, nothing concerns you, and that is, none of that is true. <laughs> How many of you get anxious about 83 things a week? Okay, this is just right on our radars, radars right in our wheelhouse. Uh, we're, we're scared, and we, you, read the, you read the news again this morning, and there's another reason to be afraid. A synagogue got shot up now, that's the world, Gary. They're scary. It's how, how it divides people, uh, the enmity, the anger. It's scary. Politics are scary. Family needs. You got family needs that are scary? Financial needs? Anyone? Yeah. How about sickness? Right? It's all over our congregation. Scary stuff. Death. It's a scary world. So Jesus wants to talk about our fear. But surprisingly, he wants to talk about things mostly that we don't remember to be afraid of. Verses 35 to 48, couple of weeks. It's gonna be about the last day when Jesus returns. Do you take that mess seriously? Ought to be a little bit afraid. Verses 13 to 34, we're gonna get into some of that next week. It deals with 
Anxiety regarding possessions and money. We know that one, right? Do you know that one? But this morning, 4 to 12, we're talking about fear when it comes to acknowledging Jesus publicly as our Lord. Acknowledging him publicly as our Lord. Now, last week we saw Jesus confront the religious leaders of his day. Remember that? It was sharp, right? Remember our favorite verse? Excuse me, our favorite verse, I think it was when uh, he was confronting the Pharisees and then the lawyer said, Lord, don't you know that when you say this, you insult us too? And Jesus just brought the rain, right? He, he brought more. He confronted them. Well, we remember their response to that if you look at Luke eleven fifty three, 53. As he went away from there, the scribes and Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. So what you see here in this part of the gospel is the tension and the pressure and the enmity towards Jesus is getting worse and worse and worse. Are you mess, mess with you? You ever had one of those? Only, only a little bit for me, only rarely. But I gotta tell you, in the times where I feel like I have that, it's, it's tempting to let it just overwhelm my entire emotional and mental life. <clears throat> the pressure of that. And then you think of Jesus with the entire system of the religious leaders and all their influence after him constantly. And you know how the story ends, right? They're gonna crucify him. The pressure is getting hot. Not only is it hot for Jesus, the pressure is getting hot for anyone who wants to follow Jesus publicly. So look at John 12, 42. John 12, 42. John tells us there, many even of the authorities believed in Jesus, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. Why? So they wouldn't be thrown out of the synagogue. Now, if we threw you out of this church, boy, that'd be a trip, wouldn't it? If we threw you out of this church, guess what you could do? You could go to a different church, okay? You might be angry, but okay, move on. If, if, if you got thrown out of your synagogue as an ancient Jew, you were getting thrown out of your society. You were getting thrown out of your family. You were getting thrown out of your close relationships. You were getting thrown out of being respected. You were getting thrown out of being included. You were ostracized. You were called a sinner. You were called the problem. And that's if you said publicly, I think Jesus is Lord. I think he's Lord. I wanna follow him. If you did that, you're out. And you see how John finishes that verse. What does he say? They wouldn't say it publicly. Why? Verse 43. What do they love? They love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. That's a, that is about praise, but it's about more than praise too. It's about acceptance. It's about acceptance. It's about who you want to please. It's about fitting in. Let me just stay under the radar. So what do they do? They become like closet Christians. They're gonna hide it in their hearts. They're like, yeah, I think Jesus is Lord. But they won't, they won't be public about it. So when we think about acknowledging Jesus, you could think about evangelism. I think that's a, a part of it out there, but, it, but it's deeper than that. It's about who you are and what you love and what you fear the most, what you value the most, what you live for the most. And uh, how many of you can relate a little bit? You ever been afraid or ashamed to publicly acknowledge that you believe Jesus is Lord? 
I would bet that you have. I know that I have. I know that I have many times. Sometimes it's just, hey, are you a Christian? That one's a little easier for me, yeah. But um, you know, another time is maybe there's a discussion on the table and uh, it's, it's a controversial issue and you know good and well what your Lord Jesus says about the issue. You know good and well, but you're not gonna chime in. Why? Because they won't like what you have to say. And so you just, I'll stay over here. Jesus is Lord of my heart. This is tough. I'm not saying you gotta chime in on every argument you ever hear. In fact, you probably shouldn't. But I just wanna, we gotta test our hearts. Is there any aspect or area of your life, a family member, a friend, somebody you're dating, coworkers, your children, people you know in social media? Any, any, is there any aspect of your life where you go, if they knew Jesus was my Lord. Mm. Is there anywhere like that? Is there anywhere where you're ashamed to acknowledge him? Again, not that you gotta get on your soapbox every time. Not that you gotta wear a sign every time. Not that we gotta wear a t-shirt all the time. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying, as you live your life, is there anywhere where you go, oh, I hope they don't know that about me or notice that about me? Because if they did, we've all been there, haven't we? We have all been there. And so as the pressure's getting hot in this passage, as we read these verses four to 12, these verses are all about Jesus trying to give his disciples courage to acknowledge him publicly in the midst of pressure. He wants to give them courage to acknowledge him publicly in the midst of pressure. And you know what? For, as, we, as we see that, that makes our application easy. What does Jesus want to do for you this morning? What does he want to give you? He wants to give you courage to acknowledge him publicly, even in the midst of pressure. We're not going to talk specifically about how to do that. There's wisdom issues. Sometimes you just get to figure that out. But we're going to talk about how important it is. Acknowledging Jesus as Lord from the heart first. It's got to be from the heart. Acknowledging him, trusting him, believing, confessing. And then what that looks like as it echoes out into your life. So here we go. I, wanna, I think he gives three things for his disciples to remember so that they can have courage to acknowledge him. Number one, remember something about fear. Remember something about fear. Number two, remember something about faith. And number three, remember something about God's faithfulness. Remember something about fear, something about faith, something about God's faithfulness. So let's first remember something about fear. Verse four. I tell you, my friends, Jesus says, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. Now, let's be honest here. How many of you find that, at first glance, totally unhelpful? Don't be afraid of those who can, don't be afraid of those who can kick out of the synagogue and kill the body. That's all they can do. If I'm sitting there, I'm going, Jesus, that's exactly why I'm afraid. They can kill the body. That's... That is also scary. I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. That's all they can do is, the worst, is your worst nightmare. Don't be afraid. Right away we see Jesus. We see what Jesus is not saying. <clears throat> Jesus doesn't say, don't be afraid. Everything will be fine. <clears throat> Isn't that what you want him to say? Wouldn't you like Jesus to come to you with all your circumstances and your fears and go, don't be afraid. Everything will be fine. 
And sometimes we get mad at Jesus because we think he said that once. And you hit hard times in your life. I think there's two main things God gets misquoted on. One is, we feel like he promised everything would be okay in this life. And so we get mad at him when it's not. Where did he promise that? He promised in this world you'll have trouble. He's gonna say to his disciples, when they persecute you in the synagogues. He never promised in this life you wouldn't have trouble. And yet we're always upset with him. God, we have trouble. What's going on? I don't understand. Look, I'm not, de- I'm not demeaning the pain of it. I'm not demeaning the questions that come with it. I'm not demeaning that at all. But he never promised this life would go easy. Second thing he never promised. He never promised there wouldn't be hypocrites in church. Have you, have you heard that one? I'm done with church. All the hypocrites, okay? If you struggle with a little hypocrisy, anybody in here? Like you, you're a hypocrite? Any, nobody, I am, okay, okay? Have, have you ever been hurt by anybody in church, okay? You have if you've been here for about 43 seconds. Maybe a little longer, this is a really nice church. Two weeks, two weeks, okay? Because we, we have sinners here at our church. We're recovering, hopefully, but we're sinners and, and we hurt people. And uh, you know, I, one of my great stories is uh, my, my brother has some handicaps and there were some people in church who told my parents, well, the reason he's handicapped is because you don't have enough faith. And that just, it's, it's rotten and corrupted. I'm so thankful my parents didn't go, oh, there were hypocrites in the church, we're out. It was never even on their minds. And I think one reason is because God never promised there wouldn't be hypocrites at the church. In fact, you read the epistles, guess what you're gonna find in the church? Hypocrites. Why does the Bible tell you bear with one another? You know it's under the, underneath that statement, right? You don't bear with going to eat ice cream. You don't, you don't bear with like a fun vacation. You bear with pain. You bear with annoyance. Bear with one another, because that's what Jesus does with you. So we've already in this context of we're thinking about acknowledging Jesus publicly. We have to admit sometimes these assumptions. And deep assumptions we have, maybe we haven't explicitly said them, like, oh, God promised my life would be easy. Therefore, I can't acknowledge him because that would bring suffering, and God know, I know God doesn't want that for me. Stop. When did, when did he say that? He didn't. In fact, if you publicly acknowledge Jesus in some way, it will cause you pain. In some way. Now, for some of us, the pain is small. We, we heard from our friends in India. For them, often the pain is large, but it will cause you pain. And so if you're going, well, if it's pain, God promised I'd never have pain. I'm out. I won't acknowledge Jesus. We're just, you're, you're disjointed from actually what the Bible says. Jesus doesn't say, don't be afraid. Everything will be fine. In fact, he says, let me help you with this fear by making you even more afraid. What does he say in verse five? I will warn you who to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. I tell you, fear him. Let's, just, let's, uh, let's remember some of Jesus' view of God. What does God do sometimes? Verse five. After he has Killed. Do you know God kills people? 
I think every time somebody dies, God killed them. <laughs> Just in his sovereign reign. Of course, every time somebody's born, God made them, right? He, he's giving life. He's good. He's generous. But in sin, what's, what's going to happen? I mean, I'm, I don't want to discourage you, but one day you will die. God has authority over that, but more over that, after death, what else can he do? He can, he can send his authority to cast into hell. What's Jesus doing here? What's Jesus doing here? A couple things, I think. One is, it's really hard for me to live as a practical atheist. That's not what I meant to say. It's really easy for me to live as a practical atheist. That's what I meant to say. How does an atheist live? This life is all there is, right? There's no God to worry about, so this life is all there is, which means my ultimate goal is as much joy or happiness as I can get right now in this life, because this life is all there is. What I meant to say is it's easy for me to live like a practical atheist. For me to put all my eggs in the basket of this life and to, and to think, oh, it's all about my happiness here. And when I'm doing that, you know, I love God, I want to go to church, but it's all about here. And what has Jesus just done with this line? Yeah, I fear those who can kill me. Hey, guess what? Guess what's still going to happen to you? Whether you get persecuted or not. You're still going to die. And then what? Then what? And he just reminded us that Christians, hey, we want to live this life as fully as possible, but we do it in the light of what's coming in the future because that is really life, right? Everything is more intense in eternity. It certainly lasts longer, but more than that, the joy is more intense if you're in heaven. And let me tell you, the torment is more intense if you're in hell. Fear him, Jesus says. Fear him. Do you fear him in your heart? Look back up into Luke 12, verses two to three. Jesus said there, nothing is covered up that won't be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you said in the dark shall be heard in the light. Whatever you've whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. What do you think those verses say about God's knowledge of you and God's knowledge of me? He knows so much deeper, doesn't he, than just our external religious kind of stuff we do. He knows our very core selves. He knows your attitude toward him, your heart toward him, what you really want, what you really love. He knows, he sees, and on that day, it gets exposed. So it gets us to question, like, Lord, who really am I toward you? Do I fear you? So this first aspect on fearing God, it's... it's well, it's a little bit scary, right? Authority to cast into hell. I'm not sure what we're supposed to do with that other than to be like, whoa, okay? So there is an awe and a reverence there. But, praise God, that's not all that is said about the fear of God. Look at verse six. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? You can get a little sparrow back then. I guess you would eat it for nothing, it's cheap, they're everywhere, no big deal. Two, so he's, he's picking the most common, regular thing there is. Something that you would ignore, you think is irrelevant, not important. Two spar five sparrows told for two pennies. You don't even, a sparrow can't even make it to where he's worth one penny. Poor guy. Look what he says about the sparrows after that. 
Not one of them is forgotten before God. What does that tell you again about God? His knowledge is detailed to a fantastic, incredible degree. And it's more than just knowing about. It's his sovereign control. He knows when that little sparrow was in that egg and when it hatched. And he knew when it flew around and ate the little flies. And he knew when it got caught in the net. And he knew when it was sold. He knew it all. And he was in control. He's so deeply, powerfully God all the time over everything. Look at verse 7. Why, then, Jesus says, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, for some of us in this room, we're like, well, that's not very impressive. (laughs) That's all right, brothers. Grass don't grow on a busy street, right? But remember, you know, 20 years ago. Then you'd be like, that is impressive. The hairs of your head are numbered. Again, How much does God know? We don't think of the sparrows every day. I don't really think about how many hairs I have every day. It's irrelevant. It's nothing. It's, It's boring. It's who cares? But again, you see God's deep, deep knowledge and his deep, powerful, sovereign control. That's why in verse 7 he says, fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. So we're arguing from the lesser to the greater. If God has this kind of knowledge and this kind of control about the things you just don't even notice because they're so regular, and he's that involved, how much more does he know and care and value you? How does that help you? Well, there's two, I think there's two main reasons I get afraid in my life and anxious. Number one, I could think God doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's not really watching. He doesn't really know. He's not really involved. And that means my life is out of control. And it's up to me, and that scares me. But this doctrine of God's knowledge and his involvement, listen, has has God ever forgotten you for a moment? Did he ever take a nap for a moment and go, oh, oh, where's that one at? Are they okay? Has that ever happened in your life? Or does he have a deep, deep knowledge of you and cultivation of who you are? You're valuable to him. He knows. The second reason I get afraid is uh, maybe God's weak. Maybe he's well-meaning and he's trying hard, but he just can't get the job done. I heard somebody say once that anxiety is thinking you'd do a better job of being God than God does. Did you hear that? Anxiety is when you think you'd do a better job of being God than God does. But when you remember his power and his control here, you can fear him. So what happens when you take all these aspects and put them together? God has the authority to cast into hell. Now, if you trust in Jesus Christ... You've been saved from that. But how should you view a God like that? A holy God. Awesome, reverent, right? And does he, does he have the right to ask you for something that might be painful? Does he have the sovereign authority to do what he wants with your life? He's worthy. 
But then these other aspects that Jesus has have woven in, does he know you and care for you? Is he ever gonna just waste you? Or does he value you? You wrap all this up together and you get this sense of what it means to fear God. To fear God. I love what Psalm 133 says about the fear of the Lord. Can we look there just for a moment? Psalm 133 to five. I love there the author in verse three says, if you, O Lord, should mark, right? Not me. But look at verse four. It's so fascinating. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. What came first? You fearing God or are you being forgiven? There's forgiveness with you that you may be feared. So, so look at the fear of God which in a way that makes me not afraid. But no, this takes me, there's forgiveness with you that you may be feared. And then we see how the fear of the Lord works in verse five. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for the Lord. In his word, I hope. When you fear God, what, who's getting the main attention of your heart and your mind? He is. And when you look for rescue, where do you look? Him. And when you look for truth, where do you look? Him, and if you wanna think about being terrified of something, here's where you're terrified about running away from him. The fear of the Lord is being terrified about running away from him. The fear of the Lord runs to him because I fear him, because I honor him, because I need him. And I look to him for everything. When, when, you, when you wrap all this up and you have this healthy reverence for God and his holiness and you have this view of his concern for you and his value that he puts in you and that he forgives you and you fear him and you're thinking about that, what just happened to your fear of man? Okay? You can't fear both God and man simultaneously. You can't. And so if you think, ah, they're gonna persecute me and kill me and I'm afraid and there's nothing I can do, your fear of God just went, it's, the stock is low. Subtext, he's not here, he doesn't care, he's not watching, he's not in control, God is small. But when you get your perspective back again, this sovereign God who cares for you, who's in control, he loves you, what happens to your fear of man? Oh, what can man do to me? The biblical author says, what can he really do? God's in control. Do you see how that would help you publicly acknowledge Jesus in pressure? The antidote to the fear of man is the fear of the Lord. And when you have the fear of the Lord, you don't have to fear anything else. And that gives you courage to acknowledge Jesus. Let's remember now something about faith. Something about faith. Look at verses eight to 10. Verse eight, Jesus says, and I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the son of man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. We'll stop there for a moment. What do you think it means to acknowledge? It's a really common word in the New Testament. It carries a variety of different meanings. Sometimes it's used as confess. Um, it'd be somewhat similar to believe, but it's a little more, it's got more echo to it. So if you acknowledge Jesus, you're, you're saying, yes, I believe the truth, that's where it starts. I believe the truth that Jesus is who he says he is. I believe that. But it's not just a mental ascent thing. It's a thing that gets your heart so where that belief comes out of, it has an echo in your life. It has an echo in your mouth. 
I acknowledge this, I confess it, I believe it. It's changed me, it's moving me, it's directing me. You gotta acknowledge Jesus. And so the first thing I want, to, I want you to see about faith is faith, true faith in Jesus, acknowledges. Let me raise a question to you. Is there any faith in Jesus, a real faith in Jesus that won't acknowledge him? We see here in our verse, Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me, I'll acknowledge. And whoever denies me, that's the opposite of acknowledge, I'll deny them. I'm a pretty big believer in salvation by faith. And I got people here who won't acknowledge and therefore aren't saved. So you know what that tells me? They don't have a real faith. Faith acknowledges, I think we know this, look at Romans 10, nine to 10. Romans 10, nine to 10. This is probably a familiar verse to you. If you, what? Confess, Confess. that's the same word as acknowledge. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be what? Saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Two aspects of the same thing, faith. And you believe it so much, it echoes out of you somehow. You voice it, you profess it. I am a Christian, Jesus is Lord. This is my life, I believe this. It's standing with the truth. Faith acknowledges. Another place to see it, 1 John 2, 23. 1 John 2, 23, no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever what? Confesses, same word. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So now we're getting a little afraid. Are you afraid? Because if uh, you, don't, you don't acknowledge him, you deny him, he'll deny you. We should all be a little afraid. Because I gotta tell you, I have denied him before. Have you? You ever sinned in public? I love what we have later in Luke. I need this. Luke twenty-two thirty-four. Luke twenty-two thirty-four. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you what? Deny three times that you know me. Does Jesus save people who have denied him before? Aren't you glad? <laughs> okay. So this is not a, if you ever did this once, it's over for you. This is a, if this is your lifestyle, if this is how you roll, if this is what defines you, then you don't have faith. It's not perfection that we're looking for. It's a genuine faith that will acknowledge regularly, that wants to grow in acknowledging. So faith will, faith acknowledges Jesus. And here's the beauty of it, of course. This is where you wanna get courage. Verse eight, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the son of, of man will acknowledge before the angels of God. And can we just park there with our imaginations for a moment? Have you ever been acknowledged publicly for something in a, in a good light? Hey, this, this lady did this, aren't you glad? Yes, you, you gotta acknowledge publicly. It feels good, doesn't it? You ever been acknowledged publicly? Can you imagine a crowd like this one where the terrifying angels of God are surrounding you? And they're all looking at you? Anybody feeling insecure yet? And the glorified Jesus is there? King of kings, Lord of lords, son of God, exalted, ruling, reigning. And they're all looking at you. And Jesus comes over somehow, puts his arm around you and says, 
That's my sister right here. It's a faithful lady. She acknowledged me through her life, even when there was a cost. And I don't know what the angels do there. They play guitar solos or they scream or golf clap. Probably not a golf clap. Some sort of like, that's right. How, can, you, can you imagine a better moment in your existence than that moment when Jesus acknowledges you? Do you need anything else for the rest of your days? I'm just gonna soak right there. That's all I need. He's encouraging you. Faith acknowledges me, and when you have faith that acknowledges me, I will acknowledge you. Okay. Okay. And then if you fear the Lord, what's the other side? You continually deny him. You continually don't acknowledge him. You've walked that path that defines you. How horrid would it be to be in that moment and for have Jesus to be like, not my person? And man, all the praise that you got from your friends as you were denying Jesus, you consider that as total trash and not worth it. We're supposed to get the perspective of the last day into our souls right now. Faith acknowledges, faith will be acknowledged. That gives us courage to acknowledge Jesus. So the first thing, Jesus is reminding us of the fear of God. The fear of God's the antidote of the fear of others. It helps us acknowledge him publicly. Also, faith acknowledges Jesus and will be acknowledged by Jesus. That gives us courage to acknowledge him publicly. Here's the last one. Remember something about God's faithfulness. Now, here we get in one of those tougher issues in the Bible, right? Aren't you excited? Verse 10. Everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. You ever wondered about what in the world this is talking about? You have this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and you can't be forgiven. And I gotta tell you, as I've been a pastor for 14 years, there are some crazy business interpretations on this passage. You've said something against God's anointed person, or you didn't receive a, a message, or, or maybe it's just some mysterious thing and you don't even really know what it is, but man, if you do it on accident, sorry about your luck. You're not forgiven. This is when you need a little bit of Christianity 101 and put the whole, God, put the whole Bible together for me. Do y'all remember how you get forgiven? There's one way. You remember what it is? Jesus died on the cross for you. I should be getting some amens right there, okay? Jesus died on the cross for you. And if you just trust that and lean into that and believe that, then you get his righteousness and total forgiveness as a free gift. And let me just, let me test your confidence in that. Is there any sin that can't be forgiven by what Jesus did for you on the cross? Really? Even any sin? We better hope not, right? So as you know that, you, you know how to be forgiven. And what's the only way to know you won't be forgiven? Well, put two and two together, okay? How do you get forgiven? Trust Jesus who died for you. How do you not get forgiven? Don't trust Jesus who died for you. Are you, are you tracking? You believe that? 
You got reasons to believe that in the Bible? With that in mind, be amazed, first of all, verse 10, with everyone, and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. This is incredible. This is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. And to speak, to speak a word against him, I don't believe you, I don't love you, I don't want you, you're not worth living for, get out of my way, don't be my king, I don't care about you, go, that's blasphemy, you spoke against him. How many of you have committed that blasphemy? Listen, if you've sinned, you've committed that blasphemy. We've all committed that blasphemy against the Son of Man, and he will sit here and say, even though you blaspheme me, I will forgive you. Oh. And again, in church, let's remember how, 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 how could it be that you could blaspheme him and still be forgiven? He died for you on the cross. How precious the cross. He lived a perfect life for you always honoring his father. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead. If you trust him, his righteousness stamped onto you, forgiven of all your sins. You can be forgiven of all this blasphemy. Okay, then what is it? What does it mean that if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you won't be forgiven? Well, let's remember what the Holy Spirit does. Can we do just a teeny little Holy Spirit study? Look at John 16, 13. John 16, 13. When the spirit of what? What do you know about the spirit already? He's all up into truth. Tells the truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Praise God, talking to the apostles, first of all, right? For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will, what does he do? Declare to you the things that are to come. The spirit is about declaring the truth. He's a revealer. Verse 14, he will, what's the next thing he does? Glorify me. So the spirit is out to reveal and to teach the truth of the glory of Jesus Christ. That's what he does. He wants to reveal the truth about the glory of Jesus Christ. You know, nobody is more misquoted in the universe than the Holy Spirit. God told me, and you hear all sorts of funky stuff. Maybe, but you wanna know if the Holy Spirit's talking? Here's what it's gonna be about. It's gonna be truth about the glory of Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit every time. Let's look now at 1 Corinthians 12, 3. 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Therefore, I want you to understand, Paul says, that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. No thanks. The Spirit would never say that. Why? because he's the spirit of truth who wants to emphasize the glory of Jesus. But then look at the next phrase. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, that's more than just words, right? Jesus is Lord. Anybody can say that. It's to believe it and to, to say it like you mean it. And if you say, if you're sitting here right now saying, you know what, I believe Jesus is Lord. Is there anybody in here like that with me? You believe Jesus is Lord and you trust that. You can't believe or say that without the Holy Spirit's work in your life. The Holy Spirit is in you, with you, moving on you if you're like, Jesus is Lord. Because that's what he does. He's the revealer of the truth about the glory of Jesus. Now let's think about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit always doing? 
revealing the truth about the glory of Jesus. And so if you hear the gospel and you hear who Jesus is and you hear what he's done and you continually go, no, don't want it, don't need it, not important, not beautiful, not true, go away, guess what you're doing? You're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. When you hear the gospel and say no, when you hear, hey, repent and trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you say no, you're saying to the Spirit, I don't trust what you're saying. I don't believe your witness. You're a liar. Go away. Leave me. And if you persist in that, we've all done it once, haven't we? Anybody converted as an adult? Did you believe the gospel the very first time you heard it? Yes. Praise God for you. Not everyone does, right? So this is a, if you persist in blaspheming the Holy Spirit, you won't be forgiven. But if you trust his revelation, wow. Look at this connection of ideas in 1 John chapter 4. 1 John 4, 13 to 16. By this we know we abide in him and he in us. How do we know? Because he's given us of his spirit. And how do you know you have the spirit? Is it a ticklish feeling? Look at 14. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, whose message is that? That's the message of the Spirit. That's what the Spirit says. Verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he is God. And guess what? That same word, confess, acknowledge. So we have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. And now you're seeing this Trinitarian faithfulness to you as a Christian. We saw in the first few verses that God who's sovereign and who knows, there's our Father. And then we see in those next couple of verses, Jesus, the Son of God, who came to save, and we want to acknowledge him. And now we see in these last few verses, the Holy Spirit, who reveals to you the truth of Jesus so that you can come to the Father. This is God's faithfulness. He loves you. Do you realize if you trust Jesus and you proclaim that and you acknowledge that, the Spirit's been working in you and the Son died for you and the, and the Father is yours? He's faithful to you. He's faithful to you. And that's why verses 11 to 12 are so precious. When they bring you before the synagogues and rulers and authorities. Imagine you're one of his disciples. When they bring you before the synagogues and rulers and authorities. Imagine I knew like your future life and I was like, next year, October, you and me, you'll be standing before ISIS. Next year in college, all the groups will find out you're a Christian and what you believe and they will put posters of you all over the campus and they will slander you as a bigot and a hater. When they bring you before the synagogues, when they publicly hate you because you've acknowledged Jesus. Have you ever wondered, gosh, if I was ever in a moment like that, I don't know if I could make it. I, I wouldn't know what to say. I might collapse, I might explode. I don't think I can make it. Look at Jesus' promise. Verse 11, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be what? Don't be anxious. Again, you're like, 
If this doesn't make me anxious, what would make me anxious? Don't be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. Why? Verse 12. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Who's gonna show up for you in that moment when you acknowledge Jesus and all of a sudden you're paying for it in a way you haven't paid for it before? Who is definitely guaranteed, absolutely faithfully going to be there for you in that moment when it's hardest, when it's worst? Holy Spirit will be there to uphold your heart, to give you what you need. He's faithful. He's faithful. When you trust Jesus Christ, you're trusting the message of the Spirit, and that Spirit's never gonna forget you or deny you or leave you. He's faithful. Does that give you courage to acknowledge Jesus? You don't have to worry about how it's gonna go. Just acknowledge him. And when it goes the way it goes, guess who's gonna be there for you to give you everything you need? The Holy Spirit himself. So do you see, friends, what's Jesus trying to get you to do? It's clear, right? What's he want? Acknowledge him. Have you acknowledged him in your heart? Is he your Lord? Do you trust what he's done for you on the cross? Have you, have you confessed that you're a sinner and you're in need and that on your own you'd be deserving of hell, but you look to Jesus and you see him giving you his perfection as a gift and you see him paying for your sins? Have you trusted that? Can you say with me right now, Jesus is my Lord, he's my savior. Can you acknowledge that from your heart? And now is that gonna somehow echo in how you live? It's gonna echo in how you treat others. It's gonna echo in your practices. Listen, I think you're acknowledging Jesus in a way just by being here. Because what have you done publicly? When you're a part of a local church, there's a section of your week where you take out your time and you go and you fellowship. And we sing things with our mouths and we nod things as we hear and we meet together and, and we are acknowledging Jesus as our Lord in this context. And when people are like, hey, you wanna do whatever Sunday morning, you're like, I'm going to church. Why, are you a Christian? Yeah. Jesus is my Lord. And when you acknowledge him, guess what? It's so beautiful. He'll acknowledge you. And when it gets hot, guess what? It's so beautiful. He'll be faithful to you. You don't need to fear man. Why? You fear God. Let's find courage. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.